Well, welcome to the World Game podcast. Uh, Steve Pearce and Clint Bolton with you as we uh, look back on the end of England's World Cup campaign. Can it have come to an end? But the delight that is Croatia's uh, maiden appearance in a World Cup final. It really just depends which side of the fence you're sitting on. Although I must admit to the neutral, it probably wasn't the greatest of spectacles, unlike the France-Belgium contest. Uh, but it certainly had a lot of tension, a lot of drama. And at the end, it had uh, a, a wonderful story. 2-1, it finished after extra time to Croatia. Uh, Clint what 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 was your what's your immediate sense in the immediate aftermath? I mean, I know the game only finished ten minutes ago. Well, as a neutral, Steve, and I am a neutral compared to the parochial uh, caller of the game over here, Steve Pearce. Uh, it was it was you like you said largely for good portions, not the greatest of spectacles, but it started great. The goal early opened up straight yeah. afterwards. That was fantastic, and then from about the 60th minute onwards into extra time, it was exciting because Croatia were playing a lot better. Uh, England opened up a lot more, so you had a lot of more uh, more action in and around England's box, quality opportunities, and add to that, poor England defending, unfortunately. Well, but- I mean, England had the opportunity to kill, or not necessarily kill the game, because, I mean, it wasn't going to be 6-0 or something, but there were opportunities that England had um, where they could have gone 2 or 3-0 up. Kane hit the post with that chance. Good save by Subasic initially, but in the follow-up, I think Kane should have scored. Yes, he should have scored. Tight angle, but should have scored. But Croatia were offering so little. They just seemed flat. Yeah. The creativity was zero. England were in control in every sense. I mean, I felt really up until about the hour mark. Yeah, absolutely right. England comfortable at the back. Comfortable. No no pressure whatsoever. The fullbacks tucking in to provide cover for the centre-backs. And there was just no real threat. But if, if you only tuned in at the hour mark and watched the rest of the game and then extra time, you, you wouldn't say England were comfortable at the back. No. Because it was completely the opposite. Totally different. And I think what really Croatia did, because they weren't playing great, is they started to apply a bit more physical pressure on England. And England started to get involved in little malaise and mm. things they just didn't need to, took their focus off what was necessary in the moment. Yeah. So you started to see mistakes start to happen. And you think about the two goals conceded mm. where Walker doesn't attack the cross into the box, allows Perisic to get a foot in, score that first one. Yeah. And then the second one was disaster, total yeah. disaster. As a somewhat poor clearance by Walker again, I think it was, mm. skied, but should have been dealt with. Should have been dealt with. Instead, a ball, a header, just a... A header, not a really dangerous header, back mm. into the box. Stones switches off slightly, yeah. doesn't read the situation. Manzukic just understands it's much better in the moment, scores that goal, great little finish, and, and you're going home. So as bad as, uh, as, as far as England were concerned, they got the lead. They didn't create a lot afterwards, fairly comfortable. Mm. And, and Croatia got back into the game, played, played better football, niggled them. Physically got, physically got on top. England reflect on the two big moments. Yeah, that's where you lose it. That is where you lose it. And and by not by doing the the fatal thing of bossing a game, but not getting more than a one nil lead, it was always tenuous. And the young players in there, they're inexperienced. They're, there's not a lot of trophies and titles necessarily in that team. It's and a, it's been a pattern of this World Cup. Still. Yeah, like France and Belgium. You think about it. Last night, France did the same. Hmm. 
one nil, and they didn't really push for that second. Didn't kill it, did they? No, no. But I mean, that's da- and it's dangerous. I think. Very dangerous. I mean, I suppose Gareth Southgate would say that, that, that as far as his coaching and his approach, I mean, England did enough to score that second goal. I mean, you, I mean, you mentioned the Kane one. I mean, there were a countless other really opportunities. One springs to mind that Lingard, you know, had right on right on the edge of the area and he just sprayed it so That's far right. wide it wasn't funny. Kane had another uh, diving header, which he normally That's would have connected with, just didn't. That one. You know, and they weren't they weren't that point blank goal mouth opportunities, but they were chances that You're hurting. You're hurting. It's so a bit painful. Badly. The thing is that, you know, uh, like all England fans, I didn't come into this World Cup thinking that England so had a you, chance to win it at all. So how do you reflect now? I think it's been a very successful campaign. Yeah, exactly. And That's I think, the way all English fans should yeah, feel. Yeah, I think so. And and I think, you know, the, the fans were applauding the team in the stadium. And I think that will be reflected with the reaction back home. And I think people will look to the ages and the inexperience and the way that this team has turned around uh, and the way that they want to play football. And they certainly didn't express that on the pitch in the second half of this match. But I think overall, they were presented with an opportunity and largely they took it and they fell at the final hurdle. Missed opportunity? Yes, definitely a missed opportunity. Well, you know, you don't get to that many World Cup semifinals if you're England. Maybe that story changes over the next generation. I mean, who knows? Maybe it does. But, you know, I I think back to 1990 um, and before that I wasn't even born. So... That's how infrequently the chances come around. And of course, for other nations, it's even more infrequent. Are you saying you're younger than me? Uh, I think I'm slightly older. <laughs> wow. I was going to say not even born before 90. No, no, no. I mean, oh. I was there for 90. Oh. I mean, before that, the 166. Oh. I, I don't oh, remember. 66, yeah, yeah, I'd love to have not been born for 90, but I do remember <laughs> watching that in the pub, so I'm not that young. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's England. But... You know, for Croatia, what a what a story. story. What an amazing story for them to get through to the World Cup final. I mean, as much as England didn't have a chance coming into this, Croatia didn't really either. They weren't one of the teams people were talking about. Well, they were the up against it. Well, exactly. Leading into the World Cup, yes, they were under the radar, along with other nations like Switzerland, who went far, Sweden, yep. who went far. These yep. European nations were like the second tier ones yes. that weren't going to yeah. really threaten Germany. Or maybe even Spain with the sort of unrest and especially with the changing of the Lopetegui. coach on the eve of the world. Yeah, exactly. So, By the way, is he gutted that Ronaldo's left Real Madrid? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> maybe he can renege on that contract maybe. now. Um, but, yet, you know, I mean... I, I was disappointed with what I saw from Croatia in the first hour and I yeah. was impressed Hugely. with the way that they energised themselves, yes. that with the experience they could dig deep and some of their bigger players, you know, Modric had a, a really good game. He was so involved in everything they did. But, Particularly second half. Mm. But uh, I think you've just pinpointed why they got back into it. Pretty much Modric... Uh, particularly Rakitic, Modric and Perisic. Perisic. Perisic is some of their more experienced players, you yes. know, and that maybe that's what England lacked with yes. some more experience. And the big moment falls, falls yep. to Manzukic, their oh, second yeah. all-time top goal scorer yeah. behind Dabashuke. Like, yeah, so the big moments, the big players, the experienced players mm-hmm. have stood up in this one. Well, England is out. Croatia is through 2-1 to Croatia in extra time and uh, extraordinary contest, which uh, we brought to you on SBS Radio and Clint Bolton and me, Steve Pearce. We're just reflecting on that at the moment. And our colleague, Olga Klepova, is at the Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow. Lucky her. And she's with some Croatian fans. I, myself, and another 78,010 people who attended the Luzhniki Stadium witnessed a historical moment. But despite the fact that it was a very significant time for Croatia, the walk away from the stadium was unreasonably quiet. 
My guess was that the British fans were just quicker to escape the stadium, which left the Croatian fans just a bit behind. But still aspiring for this final in this World Cup 2018 to be their first win. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, congratulations. Thank you very much. So you just were saying that uh, it's amazing it's to be amazing. first. It's amazing. Tell me how it is to be first time in the final for the World Cup. It's unbelievable. I still cannot believe it. It's like having a baby for the first time. It's like, I don't know, I'll probably understand tomorrow. Pozdravljamo sve Hrvate doma i nadam se da će u što većem broju doći podržati našu ekipu u finalu. Idemo vratiti Francuskoj 98-u! Uh, did you say something about France? Yes, so do they you think... beat us 98 in the semifinals. We gotta give it back to them this time. It's our turn. Okay, France, fear and dread. Good yes. luck. Good, thank you. Well, they would be pretty happy, wouldn't they? And why not? They've waited a long time for this. Uh, back to 1998, that semi-final when they uh, competed in France and didn't quite get over the line. Well, tonight they have over England by two goals to one. Very impressive stuff and a wonderful story if you are a Croatian fan or from Croatia. Now, don't go anywhere. We'll be back shortly taking a look at yesterday's first semi-final. That was a good match. And we'll uh, hear again from Olga, who spoke to French and Belgian fans last night as well. On the World Game Podcast. Don't miss a moment of the 2018 FIFA World Cup with SBS Radio. What a goal! Hear the passion with every match in multiple languages. All live and free on SBS Radio and the 2018 FIFA World Cup app. Download now. Imagine that every French fan deserted Moscow to go to St. Petersburg. How excited you feel about your country and your nation? Uh, yes, uh, because we are in the final and it's uh, near to the <laughs> the World Cup winning. It's the, the biggest victory in this uh, World Cup because they are our neighbors and <laughs> they are like cousins for us. I'll try my best French now. Bonne chance. Merci. Finally, I got a Belgian fan here. We are neighbors, Belgium and France. We are neighbors, and there is um, this competition in all the sport, not just for football. We, we lost a big and uh, big match. We need it. In my hunt for uh, fans, either for Belgium or France, I found fans from Hong Kong. I'm going for France. I'm going for Belgium. Right, and you're a couple. Yeah, yeah. Tell me why Belgium for you. Because I like watch uh, Premier League, a lot of Premier League start in Belgium. For example, Eden Hazard, uh, Lukaku, for example. I like to watch them play. So what about you? Why France? Just to be against him? I like Popa. One of the main sports players in France is Popa. Do you think they're going to win the sure. final? Sure. They must be the champion of this World Cup. So those French fans just kept singing all night, and why wouldn't they? What a, I mean, that was that was some performance. That was such a high quality contest, though. I mean, when you when you look at what we saw today in the second of the semis between England and Croatia, it really was poles apart from some of the dripping quality of that France-Belgium match. Yes, to a degree. 
Croatia's last half hour in normal time says to me they can compete with France. Yep. But definitely the France-Belgium matchup, it could have quite easily been the final, the, the two quality teams. So so the fact that but they met in the semi-final instead, just we miss out on that opportunity. But again, France-Croatia, great matchup. But France, I'm trying to reflect on the match. It just seems like we've just come to terms with England and, yeah, and them going home. But France, France pretty much gave up possession to Belgium. Belgium mm-hmm. tried to force the issue, but tactically for me, got it wrong. Got yeah. it wrong. As much as Martinez got it right in the quarterfinal, I felt like they got it wrong by having Fellaini play in the in the pretty much in the forward line, which mm. then the real focal point of the Belgium attacks was around getting the ball to Fellaini. A lot of crosses into the box. Yep. And I think about how good Belgium were in the initial stages of the World Cup, back in the group stage. It was through quality football, being being played through the flanks, Hazard in particular, and and Lukaku in space. So mm. they didn't get that opportunity to do that. France played it smart. They played deep. They defended really deep, actually. Giroud was sometimes in their defensive third, which mm. was very strange to see to see them defend so deep. But they played it smart. But again, like you said, it's a high-risk game because they're relying on that one goal that they got through MTT. Yep but then relying on the fact that they're going to keep a clean sheet. They did that in the end, but it can be a risky manoeuvre. Yes. Especially yes. against the Belgian team rife with quality. Yeah, absolutely. But they got the job done. They did get the job done. So France make it through uh, for the first time since uh, 2006. That's right. When uh, they lost in that decider. And, of course, they do have that Italy. one title to their uh, to their name. 98. Yep, in uh, 1998. So... Uh, Clint, we've uh, we've done the semi-finals. There's two matches uh, left to go. There's the the match oh, that no one wants the, the match that no one <laughs> wants to play, uh, which will be between England and Belgium. I think most of those players would rather be back on the plane. But you know what? It's a it's a tradition, so it continues. I'm not sure quite why, but um, we will play Commercial. it. And of course, we will bring it to you um, as England and Belgium uh, face off for third and fourth. But really, that's the um, that's the supporting act of of what, of course, is the main event, the final. Uh, just briefly, Croatia against. France. I'm assuming you're going to say France is the favourite. Of course, they have to be. They're, they're more energised. The energy consumption of Croatia to get to this point is massive. They've got the one day less turnaround for this one, Croatia. Plus so the extra time in the pens again. So Croatia three, matches three in a row. penalty shootouts. Well, they didn't get to the penalty shootout. Sorry, no, for the three last extra one, but times. Three yeah. extra times. Yeah. Um, so totally advantage France. But Croatia, what they dished up in that last half an hour says they're a, they are a resilient bunch. And under pressure, when they're fatigued, they can still produce quality. So that's important going up against a French team. The, the problem is I think France will play similar to what they did against mm-hmm. Belgium, and that's drop deep, yeah. defend deep. Yeah. Croatia struggled to break down England, who did the same thing mm-hmm. after scoring first. So there will be a real struggle for Croatia to get anything out of the early parts of the game. Can they stay within the game towards the back end enough to rely on this far on the quality they have that have shown, particularly in the semifinal? Semifinal. It is. I'm fatiguing, Steve. Oh, I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's been it's been a wonderful month of football oh, that we've been, been able to bring uh, everyone on SBS Radio, and we are now down to the business end. Just two matches left, so we'll be back on Saturday night from half past eleven. That's East Coast time. That's your Sydney Melbourne time for the third place playoff between England, as it pains me to say it, and Belgium, and then of course on Sunday night into Monday morning uh, Australian time with our extended coverage of the final, and that is 
from midnight in that East Coast uh, time slot. Now, do remember, of course, you can stream, download or subscribe to our podcast and you can do that at theworldgame.sbs.com.au and you can, of course, still grab the app and check all the uh, highlights that are available online as well. And with 32 years of experience, SBS is the only home of the FIFA World Cup. So, Clint... As uh, we'll have to go and gather ourselves and ponder what lies ahead in that World Cup final, and uh, it's going to be a difficult one to predict. But I think, uh, yeah, as you say, without doubt, France start the favourite. And, and if everyone plays to their potential, uh, and if the stars shine, it actually should be a comfortable win for France. Oh, that's a big call, mate. <laughs> I did put some ifs in there. Well, there's a, there's a few ifs, and, and Croatia will give them a hell of a run. Don't you worry right. about it. Let's go and have a cup of coffee or a glass of beer or whatever time of day it is. I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, we'll see you uh, on Sunday night. Of course, Jordan and Kate will be back uh, with the uh, third and fourth place playoffs before then, and then they'll be back on final night as well. But before we go. Uh, let's go back to Olga once again. She discovered that fans from all over the world just keep hanging around in Russia for all kinds of reasons. We'll talk to you at the weekend. If you think that World Cup is only the event for the winners, think again, because the fans of the teams who were knocked out still remain in Russia. And for them, it's not a loss. Despite the fact that their team's no longer part of this World Cup, they haven't lost. In fact, they won. And here's their story. So, who do I have here? Where are you from? Peru. We are from Peru and Colombia. Uh, so, how come you all staying here together, although your countries are out? Because this is football. Yeah, football is always friendship, enjoy together, so we are just enjoying here. I was telling them that I have lots of Peruvian friends. I met them 50 seconds ago, then you arrived. But you see, it's like if we knew each other for life. So I was saying that we're really enjoying this experience, especially in Russia, being so far from home. It's amazing. Russians have been been great to us. We're so grateful. Why did you decide to stay longer? What happened in my case, I stayed here because uh, during one of my trips in the train, I met a Russian girl. And now I'm in love with her. Que grande! <laughs> From Russia with love. I'm having here Marco, um, the fan for Argentina. Hi, Marco. How are you feeling after Argentina unfortunately lost? Okay, hi, everyone. Well, uh, we are a little bit sad because we lost against France, but, well, we are knowing something about Russia and Russian history, so that's nice, and we are making some tourists. What exactly? What do you mean by knowing a bit more about Russia? Okay, we are trying to discover uh, your culture and uh, their history that is very exciting and very different from the one that we know. Now that we are in, in, in Russia, we realize that we know that history that American people tells. We discover another kind of history and we discover a lot of things that the Russian people do in the world wars, with a little bit more marketing, Moscow will be a city that many, many, many tourists, more than the ones that came now, will visit Moscow and St. Petersburg too. Well, good luck for you. Enjoy the rest of the trip and good luck for Argentina next time. Okay, thank you very much and well, see you in Qatar. See you in Qatar indeed. And earlier on, Christoph also had a really nice encounter with the Peruvian fans. So Jonathan here, you, uh, you're obviously supporting Peru. You've got the, the colors on, on your heart. Peru is not in the competition anymore. As a fan, 
What does that mean to you? What, where do you put your support to now? Yeah, so Peru um, showed up to the World Cup after 36 years. And I think that the fans are very excited to see them even play in a big stage in Russia. Uh, but how we feel, we're looking forward to Qatar uh, 2022. So that's every fan's uh, goal uh, going forward. Uh, I know there was a, a radio broadcaster or TV broadcaster in Peru that followed all across the campaign for the last 24 or so, and he died just before the, the World Cup. Uh, do you know this is, has been a big impact in, in Peru as well? Like people were thinking of him or not? Yeah, th this guy was uh, a journalist uh, and, and he, would, uh, he was a journalist for every game throughout the campaign and unfortunately he passed. Uh, but they have, in Peru, they have done a tremendous job Uh, keeping his spirit alive and his dream as a journalist uh, and reporter was always to scream a goal in the World Cup so uh, Peru was able to give him the two goals against Australia uh, and, and basically it's only the beginning of, of a long journey I guess this is how you see it in, in Peru yeah uh, Peru has a, a very young young stars young team uh, just recently Ruiz Diaz one of our forwards will be playing in the US for Seattle Uh, but definitely a young team, and the coach Gareca has done a great job uh, taking the team to the next level. So we look forward to this team uh, participating in Qatar 2022. Guys, you, you go for Germany, right? You yeah, Germany. yeah, exactly. That's right. And how come are you still here hanging around in Moscow? We bought the, the tickets a long time ago, hoping Germany would make it. And then we thought we'd still come because it's a great opportunity to see the country um, without having to get a visa. It's quite nice, actually, so I'm happy we came. And when, when Germany left Russia, was it a bit of a start for you? It was a big shock, yeah. I mean, the last time we didn't make it to the semi-final was Euros 2004. So we, had, we, we thought we had a good chance to make it there, but um, that's football, right? You deal with it. So I basically didn't watch any of the round of 16 games. After the, at the quarterfinal, I was back. <laughs> back on track. Okay, so was it that much sorrow in your heart? Was it that big wound? No, because you can't be world champion all the time, right? So you got four years in the sun, uh, it should prepare you for a rainy day. Good point. I was talking to Russians, for example, when Russia lost to Croatia. And, you know, it's a big hit for them, obviously, for us here. But they still felt proud. What about you? Yeah, I mean, uh, Germany has always delivered. So that was the first time where we actually felt like, okay, wasn't quite as good. But, I mean, you, you sometimes have to accept it and move on. So it's... Not anything where we'd just be ashamed of, it's just, yeah. I think, we're, I think nobody's proud of this year's performance, but generally this Germany team has done a lot of good things, so we're still proud of the team.